I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. December 11th, 2020. Sentient technology. Elvis Presley. Fighting over fish. Stealing from the Germans, digital pirates, Ponzi schemes, and Advent. This is Awesome Today. Awesome Today is a daily show, even though it technically isn't every day. It is barely edited and sometimes offensive. It is a good show. Some might even call it awesome. If you are friends with someone who doesn't think this show is awesome, you deserve better friends. Well, hi. Good day. How's it going? Yes, it's good. It's good. We've both been working hard doing our things today. We haven't even hardly talked to each other. I know. I feel like I saw you once just because I had to go to the bathroom. Yeah. And you were oddly hanging out in the men's room. <laughs> the men's room of our house. <laughs> you spoiled it. You spoiled the picture. I like that idea. We have a men's room upstairs yeah. and the ladies is downstairs because patriarchy, am I right, ladies? Yeah, well, yeah. So you'd get the better bathroom in the two because of patriarchy? Indeed. Okay. It's December 11th. Isn't it? It is National App Day. Appetizers? Like application. Oh, okay. Like, uh... As our mobile devices incorporated smart technology, which sounds very much like Rise of the Machines apocalypse. Yeah. It was as our mobile phones became sentient. Yeah. That phones got apps. My and phone. I think they contributed to each other. Yeah. My phone is actually sentient. Yeah, I know. It's disturbing to me. I know. As is Alexa and the other little network of government spies. I'm waiting for her to speak from the other room. Yeah, but she's just taken it all in. She's heard this before. She's learned just to not answer me because I only get incited to rage. <laughs> she's had enough trips down the basement stairs at this point. I okay. think she's learned her lesson. All right. Well, apps have changed how we work, how we live, how we play. They have even facilitated the creation of new industry, of companies, of jobs. Yeah, that's right. Um, so today we do appreciate yeah. the app, even if... It's just one more way for Big Brother to keep an eye on us. What is an app that you find noteworthy, useful, meaningful, life-changing for you in some way? I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm looking up on my screen time, which is an oh. app in the yeah. iPhone settings. I'll tell you my top five apps according to how much I use them. Why does that say FBI inform? Mm -hmm. What? Yes. Okay. So the fifth most used one that I have right now is Boxer. Okay. A, uh, communication walkie-talkie yes. message-leaving app. Then Messages app. Okay. Wow. That's yeah. number four. Number three right now is Facebook. Wow. So you lurk and spy on people more than you talk to them. That's right. Then I... text. Number two, I like to laugh at people and their amazingness on TikTok. That's my number two. Number one is Apollo. Do you know what Apollo is? I don't is? even know what that is. Okay. Apollo is a Reddit app. So ah. people have created apps that make the Reddit... Because Reddit's... First of all, Reddit... Reddit isn't sentient. <laughs> no, it's not. Reddit's browser application, I find to be wildly confusing and completely not user-friendly. The Reddit mobile app is a little bit better, but Apollo takes your Reddit experience 
Well, into outer space, honestly. I think that's why they call it My Apollo. My word. If that were even a thing, just ask the flat earthers. Look how much time I spend on there compared to everything I, else. It's, <laughs> it's you've, significant. You've, what, 60% more time than on TikTok? Yeah. I like to read Reddit, you guys. I make no apology for that's that. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> It's a little disturbing, but it's fine. All right, what's an app you find noteworthy? Okay, well, this isn't going to be something you'll use much. Okay. But when you need it, I am deeply pleased by how wildly functional and helpful it is. Mm -hmm. It is an app called Cam Scanner. And, it, it, you know, we all have taken a picture of a thing when we needed to remember it, right? Certainly. This does it... In a, in a better means of, of manipulation after you've taken the picture to create an actual PDF mm -hmm. of a, a good, a good a words and mumbling of a scanned document. Yeah. I've used this in my business when I've needed to capture like copies of photo IDs or yeah. things like that of people or even just a, a multiple page document. It truly is that functional. Um, if you go with the paid version, I know, I don't know that this is true for the unpaid, that you even get full encryption and all of that so that from the app you can safely send that to your email, to your printer, to your wherever it is that you need to, to send it. Yes. To your Dropbox, whatever. Right. That is fantastic. That has saved me like a whole extra day of driving around and doing stuff on occasion because I'll be meeting with somebody. We'll figure out we need a document. They don't have any technology. I can pull that out and yes. really, really save the day. I mean, there really are so many apps that are just like, how did I even do this thing before this app existed? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it is a good day to celebrate the apps. Yeah. In our lives. It's, it's not the app's fault that everything is how it is. <laughs> that our Apple overlords are taking over our lives. Uh, before we get into the trivials, happy Hanukkah. Oh, they're not trivial. Well, Let's just be clear. Okay. There's nothing trivial here. I like it like trivial pursuit. Sir, sir, there's no trivial. Yes, it is happy Hanukkah. Yes, to all of our Jewish friends and others celebrating Hanukkah, it began... Yesterday evening, as you're listening. It began yeah. thousands of years ago, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not wrong. You're not wrong. Yes, we are both correct. Fair so, enough. Okay. Um, do you want that? Why don't you take the next two? Okay. Well, in 1896, Chief... Or did you want me to take this one? No, no. Well, you're going <laughs> to... Well, maybe you can add in some, some okay. thoughts on it. <laughs> Chief electrical engineer of the British post office. I didn't even know the post office needed an electrical engineer. Well, in 1896, they sure did. I guess so. And he, his name was, he was called William Priest. That's his name or that's what he was called? Well, you know, the British, they like to say, like, instead of that he was named, they'll say he's called or he was called. That sounds very subversive to me. Well, that's what they called him. Is it a spy nation? What's going on over there, well, I mean, GB? Yeah, James Bond, right? Uh, GB was Great Britain. That's how we say it in the industry. I know, but isn't Bond British? Uh, he's something. Yeah, he is. Okay. That's JB, though. Yeah. That's why I redirected. Well, let's focus back on Mr. William Priest. Okay. He gives a public lecture in London. Hang on a second. It's just dawned on me. You wanna you wanna bring up some unfair patriarchy. How about the unfair matriarchy? You could be Miss, Mrs. or Ms. I got one choice. I'm Mr. That's it. Hmm. That's not fair. Yeah. Or, oh, I could be doctor. Well, so could you. That one's not gender specific. Right. I'm I'm just now realizing this and I plan on Making a big deal out of it. Now, the feminist argument on this would be that for men, once they reach adulthood, let's say 18, it matters not whether they are single or married, what their age is. They are just called Mr. Mm -hmm. For women, there has to be, have, historically, there was had to have been a delineation so that someone would know, is she single? Is she married? Well, you know why? It's a It's a benefit to the women. It's not... A benefit to the men. It's a benefit to the women. It's a form of protection. So that if you're married and you 
have taken misses with it yes. that you don't have to just by announcing who you are, people know, hey, zip your pants back up and back off, sir. I'm taken. And <laughs> so you don't have to. that problem. If you want to be mysterious, you go with Ms. And if yes. you are fully on the market, you've got Miss. It's far more. You definitely have the grander benefit here. So men are across the board such sexual predators that yes. women need to have I sexual... told you this before. Yes, it's no mystery. <laughs> it's not predators. It's just that it's a front of mind thing. It's a front of mind thing to unzip your pants depending on how a woman announces how many, her day. How many kids do we have? <laughs> I'm the nicest person you know. Maybe not. Maybe. And this, it's been a problem in our marriage. We just keep having children. <laughs> it's not a problem. <laughs> It's oh, a good problem. Very dare you. It's a good problem. Come on now. Try to but if you would start calling yourself Ms., it might throw me off the, the path a little bit. <laughs> or it might make things a little sexier. You know <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Oh, my gosh. Now, this whole yeah. thing, this whole it's entry is... far less interesting. Yeah. Now. Well... Ms. William Priest. <laughs> He stole it from the matriarchy. Yeah. He gave a public lecture in London called Telegraphy Without Wires. Yes. Talk about sexy. Well. People were. I'll guarantee I'm having a hard time keeping my zipper up right now. The ladies were throwing their pantaloons on the stage. Yes. It was raining pantaloons. <laughs> this is going to be one of those episodes. <laughs> All right. Well, it was sort of a celebration and an introduction to the work being done by one Marconi. Is that mm -hmm. a company? No, no. Person? That's a man. Okay. I couldn't pronounce his first name, and even typing it would have required swapping well, screens what? back and forth. Because of the patriarchy, we can just blanket say Mr. Marconi. Yeah. Instead of Ms. Marconi. And then all of us wondering, well, was he available? I'm interested. Who we now know and recognize to be the inventor of radio. Yes, I'm guessing just based on his scientific prowess, he didn't have a lot of traffic that he was trying to hold off of him. Okay. Uh, he was in, the chief electrical engineer of no, the no, British no, 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 Post no, no, Office. No, 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 that was Priest. Well, that's who, yeah, that's who's getting the pantaloons. Yeah, but I thought, I thought you'd transition to Mark. I had transitioned to Marconi. How matriarchal are you that you assume all men are the same? <laughs> ugly today. It really did. I'm tempted just to cancel the episode. Oh. It's well, too late. That'd require some form of editing. That's true. Don't do it yet because in 1961, your boy Elvis Presley. My boy. Yeah, your boy. Your boy. Why do we Ms. Talk Elvis about Presley. <laughs> Why do we talk about him so much? Because he comes up a lot. He did so much. Yeah, he did so much. He hasn't been on the show in a while, so it's worth noting that Elvis Presley's Blue Hawaii album goes to number one and stays there for 20 weeks. 20 weeks. That's practically, I'm willing to round that up and call it half a year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a much. lot. Yeah, that's a lot of Blue Hawaii for you. Is Blue Christmas on that album? I don't know. We'll find out later because we're going to listen to it tonight. Okay. Even if we skip through some of the songs, we'll, we'll go that path. Okay. Well, 1975, the majestic year of my birth also just so happened to be the Cod War. Now, yesterday we discussed the Great Emu War, so based on that coverage, you might assume that the Cod War was a sol was soldier farmers who took up arms, machine guns, no less, against migrating cod who were destroying their farmland. That's the only thing that makes sense. You would be wrong oh, if no. that were your assumption. Oh, dear. The Cod War was a centuries-long dispute, primarily between Iceland and Great Britain, or Iceland. I don't suppose I should have to force it into a Iceland pronunciation. Uh, my mistake, okay? Don't judge so harshly. I said nothing. Now, it was always Iceland, and then mostly Great Britain, mm -hmm. but other, other countries intermittently, and it had to do with arguing over fishing rights okay. to specific waters. It was, in fact, today, in 1975, that an Icelandic gunboat fired upon unarmed British fishery support vessels. What the hell, dudes? Don't mess with people from Iceland. I I've told guess. you this time and again. You continue to try to do so. 
Don't do it. They were just out there. The British were just out there trying to, they weren't even fishing. They were just support vessels. I'm feeling like the British were like, why would we eat our fish when we can eat yours? We love the fish and chips, but let's deplete your natural resources before we get to our own. Well, I mean, I guess that- We're inheritors of this as Americans. We do it too. That's true. We do. I guess that that brought an end to the war that I maybe the British were like, you know what? Fine. It actually went on. For a significant amount of time. This one specifically, I think, due to... They, they gloss over some of the details. They act like everyone would constantly be aware of everything that went on at the international level. I'm going to promise you right now, people that live along the coastal shores of wherever, whose life is a boat catching fish, they're, they're not up to date with what's going on in Congress. Right. Iceland had arguably illegally, arguably legally extended the perimeter around their island. Okay. And I'm guessing probably the British weren't fully aware of it. Yeah. The British fishermen. As sure, it of course. Um, they were probably just as disgruntled and pissed off. Yeah. And they just didn't have any guns to fire back because mm. they were fishing. <laughs> Still bring a gun to a no. fishing battle? Maybe dynamite. <laughs> But that's more for the fishes. They they float more easily that way. <laughs> Why are we so dumb? Okay. I don't know. Do you want this or do you want me to take that too? I think you should probably do this. Okay. It's it's a little it's lengthy. Long. But we'll we'll power through it. Okay. Um, so 1978, just three years after the magical year of my birth. Certainly. At New York City's John F. Kennedy International Airport, which all could have been at NYC's JFK Airport. But then that felt like a lot of abbreviation. Yeah. So I, I did the longer form. Okay. But $5 million in cash and $875,000 in jewelry are stolen, making it the largest cash robbery committed on American soil at that time. Dadgum. It is known as the Lufthansa heist. Okay. That's a hard word to pronounce. It's L-U-F-T-H-E. A-N-S-A, Lafonza. Okay. Basically what happened here is an associate, and backing up, this is a German company. Okay. They would have had hangers on airport property like any other international sure. outfit does. Yeah. And so what happened is, a, is an associate of the Lucchese crime family, Jimmy Burke, he is credited with the planning of this heist. It was early this morning in 1978, roughly 3 a.m. Mm. Six masked men pull up to the Lufthansa cargo building. It's a lot easier pre-9-11 to get that done. All uh, they had to do was snip a padlock off a gate they were in and nobody really noticed. Yes. Put a pin in that because we're going to circle back later in world. I've got some notes okay. on airport security prior mm -hmm. to 9-11. Yeah, well, don't we all? Yes. Um, the employees of the building were ultimately, lots of details condensed down, herded into the break room. Okay. At that point, 72 15-pound cartons were taken from the vault, placed into a getaway van. The van was then driven to an auto repair shop. The cargo split between two cars. And the two cars, of course, go on about their way. They don't just sit there like idiots. Classic mafia. Classic mob. Parnell Edwards, a.k.a. Stax, mm. he was assigned the job of driving the van, the initial van, to the junk, to a junkyard, rather, in Jersey in to Jersey. be destroyed. Mm -hmm. That junkyard owned by John Gotti. Oh, you don't say. Yeah. You know, Gotti, John Gotti, Neil Gotti's his brother, all the Gotti's, they're the, the crime Gotti's, right? Yes, the Gotti crime syndicate. Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> Stacks, and I believe they were, now I'm not going to be able to remember, um, the Gotti's were, which crime family were they affiliated with? It wasn't Lucchese. It was I not. it was the Gotti Bonanno. No, they were. Uh, they didn't have their own family. They were. They were an extension of a, a larger, older family. Okay. In in any event, uh, Stax was supposed to go do all this, but he got a little distracted. He went to his girlfriend's house, yeah. parked the van in front, but also in front of a fire hydrant. Okay. Now the ever vigilant police. It took them two freaking days hmm. to find this van parked in front of a fire hydrant. Yes. But they find it. 
And of course, they're aware of the heist at that point. I don't think, I don't know that they've made the connection yet. Somehow, eventually they did. Um, Gambino crime family. Thank you. You looked it up. I I would have eventually, probably after the recording, thought of that. But yes, Gambino crime family, which sounds far more impressive than Gotti. Yeah. It, it's more Italian sounding. It has more aggression behind it. So yeah, somehow the police know to, that it's somehow affiliated and they do pull multiple prints out of the fan. Well, back out of the van, not the fan. There were no prints <laughs> in the fan. Rather, they were in the van. Okay, that makes sense. If you're ever part of a, a special investigative unit gathering forensic evidence, whatnot, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. save the fan for last. Look in the van <laughs> earlier in the process. Okay. Just yes. a pro tip. Uh-huh, pro tip. Um, so... What's his name? Burke. Um, Stacks. No, no, no. Stacks oh, was the bad kidding. guy. Jimmy Burke, who's the mastermind. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. He's he's recognizing we got problems now. Uh -huh. The uh -huh. van's been found, prints, all of that. And he, it's, he, he would have very readily, obviously did, looked around and said, okay, well, these schleps may be really good at, at pulling off a heist, but I don't trust him holding up under questioning. Especially since one of them parked his van in front right. of a fire hydrant. Stacks did that as well. I didn't find this in the reading today. I know this from a, a fictional source, or I suspect it because it was mentioned in a fictional, fictional source, Yeah, that he, he'd been high with his of girlfriend course. in there. And that's why it was like two days of Absolutely. nobody's seen him but the van's out there. Absolutely. Uh, they so, immediately uh, got all coked up, I believe yeah, is what the kids say. Yeah, something. Something. Yeah. Whether it was a, a smokable, snortable, ingestible. Yeah. They'd found maybe all the things. All the things. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Well, Jimmy, Jimmy's not dumb. Yeah. He's looking and he's like, these, these cats ain't the most trustworthy of folks. So mm -hmm. he systematically then ended up either himself or through the use of others having... Everybody that could implicate him murdered. Of course. Except for one guy. Okay. Louis Werner, who is the only one that was convicted mm. throughout all of this. Mm -hmm. He was an airport worker there at the Lufthansa hangar. Um, he's the one that provided the operational details that allowed the heist to be successful. Mm -hmm. His motivation is that he was at least, I think he was loosely tied to them anyway. Yeah. But more realistically, he was 20 grand in debt to the mob for gambling and oh, losing. Oh, well, got himself in a little pickle with the mob. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, yeah. You, you get in, you get out, you, mm. you dance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There are many, many theories as to what happened to the money mm -hmm. because it was never recovered. Oh my. None of it was. Most of it went to Coke. It was, yeah, it was mostly Coke. No, I, who, who knows? There's a lot of theories. There's that it was itself lost gambling. There are mm -hmm. theories that Burke had it in a safety deposit box that his daughters have since lived off of. There's a lot of theories out there. I like that theory. But one of the theories that I find probably more believable than any other that I've read is that the FBI did in fact find and recover all of it. They just didn't give it back. Oh they kept my, it. sick burn on the FBI. Uh, you can't trust them. Any, <laughs> any group of men who would willingly wear the same the same rain slicker, yeah, yeah. Okay. got questions there. So there's, there are a lot of movies, books, different things that have been made or that reference, either specifically about or that reference this heist. Um, you can find that... So often, if you'll go to Wikipedia, there will be a pop culture section or somewhere in right. the article that it talks about this type of thing. Yes. Um, I think my personal favorite is it's a completely fictional account where the heist is a key plot element mm -hmm. to the, the movie. It's the 1990 film Goodfellas. You do enjoy that film. It's a great film. That has probably as many pop culture, current pop culture references as anything else, mm -hmm. um, it, it's worth a watch. We may, I may make you suffer it. Or when you fall asleep tonight, I may watch it. We'll see about that. Yes. Okay. That was a ride, wasn't That was it? a lot. Um, now we've got two decent sized mm -hmm. topics and one small one. What do you want here? Well, why don't you share about your boy right here? Okay. Well, 1980, Tom Selleck. Yep. Magnum P.I. premieres King, on CBS. King of the Mustache. King of the Mustache and the really grotesquely inappropriate shorts. Yeah. 
that was, which was of the era. It's not like Tom Selleck was like, hey, you know what I'd like to do? <laughs> he didn't come up with it. He was a victim of, of fashion at the time. Yes. Or maybe oh. maybe that's the patriarchy speaking. Maybe from the matriarchy's perspective, yeah. that was the sweetest time in history. I Icon know. right here. Icon Tom Selleck in the short shorts. Between the mustache and the outline of his, his inappropriateness. <laughs> It was a special time in history. You almost said something that was not no, more inappropriateness and you caught yourself. I didn't. I didn't. I'm, I knew ahead of time. I was searching for a word to replace it before I started okay. talking. All right. Um, if I wanted to use scientific words, I could say. Yes. The words. <laughs> ah. Okay. Well, that was in the good year of 1980. Did you ever watch this? Um, you know, not really. I I don't know that I've ever seen a single episode of Magnum P.I., but I, you know, sort of like aware of it in the pop culture sense. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful concept. You've watched some hours of it. I've watched a ton of hours of it in the mid, no, it would have been the late 1990s. Mm-hmm. Um, we were married. We were. we were dorm directors, and over the summer, I think I may have mentioned this in a past episode, but I'll tell it again as though I haven't. Okay. During the summers, the dormitory that we were over, that we were in charge of, um, it hosted summer camps mm-hmm. for all kinds of stuff. And mm-hmm. so that meant, even though we did not have a real student body present, that we still were responsible for keeping that place safe, yep. which included night guards. Yes. For whatever, I'm sure, legal purposes, we had night guards. And let's just be real honest when we say night guards. Like, yeah, don't don't imagine a uniform and a no a, a taser. Nobody was armed. No. We didn't even have cell phones back then. Right. Like we'd heard of them, but we'd never seen. Yeah, them. you basically the night guards were responsible for locking up some doors, and I don't know what else they were expected to do. Well, I do know okay. because, in fact, your job—you were technically by title dorm director. Yeah. I was your employee, and I was over the night guards. Yes, which primarily was just me scheduling them and asking them, "Don't don't do anything that's going to get me called up to the dean's office to explain your behavior." Yes. But their duty beyond locking doors was on some sort of schedule, minimally four times an hour. They were supposed to walk the perimeters, walk the hallways, and just have an eye open towards things that shouldn't be going on to contact us so that we could contact campus police, who in fact primarily were also students that were in the criminal justice program. <laughs> in retrospect, it was a retrospect, rather, it was a terrible structure. It was a different time. It felt about as bureaucratic as our government. Um, Yeah. So with the absence of a student body, because it was the summer semester and we didn't have students, we had campers. Yeah. That meant I had the choice of either trying to find someone to hire or I could just take the night guard duties myself and get paid extra. That's right. And so I did. Yeah. And in the wee hours of the morning, I found great companionship with Tom as I watched reruns of Magnum P.I. Mm-hmm. Now, it's a great premise of a story. And that's why, well, that and because Tom Selleck, I mean. In short shorts. He's basically the better Hasselhoff. <laughs> yes. the, the premise of the story is that somehow randomly he had been allowed to live on a billionaire's estate in Hawaii. Oh, my. And make make use of all the property as well as the the staff that worked there. Okay. Primarily who you saw was Higgins, mm-hmm. which was the overseer of the property. Okay. Um, and so then in his copious free time, while he drove the Ferrari and made use of all the toys and things, he'd also get turned on to some, some kind of injustice. Mm-hmm. He had a buddy that... Uh, named TC that flew a helicopter for island tours, but was ready. 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. At the drop of a call to come assist Magnum P.I., and then one other dude whose name I can't remember that was, he was just more stereotypical something. Yeah. Um, semi-law enforcement, maybe a private, I don't know what he was, private investigator, I don't know what he was. Mm. But the, the three of them mm. would team up to save quite often a young lady who had also taken an interest in Tom's shorts. Uh-huh. Who was conventionally attractive. Yes, indeed he was. In fact, aggressively. No, the, the ladies were. Oh, yes, they were as well. Yeah. Of course. Nobody nobody that wasn't appealing was ever involved in the show. <laughs> Unless they had a really attractive niece or granddaughter. Yeah, that's true. Or they were the villain. Well, yes. Yes, yeah. Ugly people are always villains, right? <laughs> According to our culture, yes. Or at least the culture of the 80s. Yes. So. Okay. That was a long walk, but yeah. it was worth it. It was worth it. Thank you for that. A primer in Magnum PI. All right. In 2001, federal agents conduct raids as part of Operation Buccaneer. Harmity. That's right. An international copyright piracy investigation focusing on pirated software. Are you, do you recall, this is 20 years ago, do you recall, were you in the computer world enough to recognize the term wares spelled W-A-R-E-Z? No. Well, that's what any any type of paid software yeah. that was available out there, these folks, for whatever motivations they may have had, less pure than they would claim, mm. there would be websites easily findable where you could download it for free yes and they were called wares with a z because internet spelling back then of course z's instead of s's of course software yeah. wares yes yeah 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 well i didn't know about that part i'm but deeply familiar law enforcement did you do a little illegal software I, piracy i will not incriminate myself okay you can either confirm or deny indeed well, law enforcement was fully aware at some point because the law enforcement agents in six countries, mm-hmm. not six counties, which is what I thought that right. said. Right. No, no. It's all the countries. Six, all six of them. Yes. Six countries targeted 62 people on software copyright infringement. The group focused on by our own government was described as one of the most sophisticated of the rings operating within a loose global Network. The, the internet is such a nebulous, yes, scary thing at this point. Nobody knows what it Nobody is. Except knows for Al Gore, happening. and he's not telling. He's not telling. He was still licking his wounds from losing the 2000 election. That's right. Well, many members of the tech community familiar with the world of illegal downloads were puzzled, characterizing that targeted group, the ones that actually got busted, that group was Small potatoes. That's a direct quote. Small potatoes, in quotes. So who is lying? Who is lying? I feel like at this stage in the game, it's fair to say the government embarrassed because they didn't even know really. They weren't sure yet what the internet was. They're like, this people, let's call them big. Let's try to scare everyone else into submission. Yeah, I'm I'm calling poop. Yes, calling the poop on that one. All right, this next one is right in your wheelhouse. We've had a lot of crime today. We're going to continue that theme. How about some financial crime? Financial crime. It's my favorite type of crime. It is. Though I refuse to participate mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. Wink. No, no, not wink. I don't <laughs> I don't commit financial crime. It is. I promise regulators who are listening. Yes. Alexa, whoever you're reporting to, yes. I really don't. I 
I embrace the rules. That's right. But in 2008, today is when Bernie Madoff, that name should sound familiar, he is arrested, charged with securities fraud. The headline I read was $50 billion Ponzi scheme. That, I don't think we've ever yet determined accurately the, the numbers of billions of dollars. That's a lot of dollars. Could be more, could be less, but it is a lot. Okay. So the next question then, and please do answer if you know, what is a Ponzi scheme? Okay. The way I understand a Ponzi scheme is that there's the, there's the, the, the Ponzi. Yes. <laughs> at the center. He's not Fonzie, but he is cool. I guess people, he's cool enough to get people to give him yeah. money. They think they are making a <clears throat> legitimate investment, right? Maybe. Or maybe not. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. And I'll touch on that, okay. perhaps. But so what happens is is that the Ponzi, he takes their money and he's not actually investing it. He's using it probably some for his own means and purposes, mm-hmm. but he's also dispersing it to other previous investors in his yes. scheme or in his investment idea or whatever. And so what happens is that the people who are making these investments, they're not, they don't get actual returns ever. And he just has to keep bringing money in to keep the scheme running. If you think this sounds familiar, it's called our social security. Oh, sick burn on social security. It's truly what it is. It's any time, this construct is any time where quote unquote investors returns. Yeah. Or profits are, in fact, nothing more than something paid in by subsequent participants. Okay, that's a, yeah, you could have saved a lot of words just by telling that. But it's, <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Um, now, where does it get its name? Yada, yada, yada. In the 1920s, there is a fella whose name is Charles, guess what, Ponzi. Mm-hmm. He carried out this scheme. He wasn't the first to do so. In fact, he didn't come up with it. He didn't do internet research because his phone wasn't sentient yet. (laughs) And he had no apps to help him do it. Right. He actually, he was an Italian immigrant. Is that right? Italian? I'm pretty, yeah, that sounds Italian, right? Okay. Pretty sure it was Italian Mm -hmm. immigrant. Um, He had ended up in Canada working for a bank, and yes, Canada, I threw you under all four wheels of the bus. Okay. Technically six, because the back wheels are dually. Yeah. It's, that's hillbilly slang or redneck slang for two wheels on each side. It's you're, a dually. Today, you're taking down the FBI. You're taking everybody. down the Social Security the Administration. Rednecks, the Canada, all the people. Everybody Everybody's goes going down. Yes. Everyone. No one will be spared. Merry Christmas it's to all. It's a digital bloodbath. Yes. Okay. Um. Yeah, he was working at a bank in Canada. It was the banker he was working for. He didn't instigate this. The banker he was working for was advertising a 6% rate of return on deposit, Mm -hmm. whereas the average around them was half of that. It was 3%. And this is characteristic of a Ponzi scheme, outsized returns. Uh And at least in this instance, it feels like initially, yes that that bank was providing that level of return. Mm -hmm. But they'd hit their own hard times. And what he discovered as he he had climbed the ranks within the bank Mm -hmm. is that the bank was unable to meet that obligation through their own profitability. Right. And so it was new new deposits into new accounts uh, that were being opened up that were used to float that return back yeah. to whoever. Now, that's not uncommon in a Ponzi scheme. Most, when I say most, I can't qualify that. What I can say is some Ponzi schemes, they develop. They start out with somebody that has a, a legitimate hope, goal, and promise. Okay. They aren't trying to screw people over, but when they reach a, a moment of critical mass where they're not meeting yes. the return, rather than lose the business, they they think, well, if I'll just do this now, it'll patch it over until... Okay. And until doesn't happen. Okay. And the next thing you know, you're running a Ponzi Next scheme. thing you know. So this banker had run things that way until the bank closed, but in the process of that occurrence, he grabbed a bunch of the cash and ran for, I think it was Mexico. Why not? Because you boys like Mexico. You boys like Mexico. Yeah. Um, So it planted a seed. Now, he didn't immediately 
pursue this. He did immediately commit a crime on the heels of this, trying to survive, spent some time in prison, got out, committed another crime, went back in. But it did look like he made a very, Charles Ponzi, that is, made a very legitimate attempt to clean it up. Okay. And he'd started a business. I'm going a lot further than the notes show here, just because I got tickled by it. Mm-hmm. He'd made this very legitimate attempt. He'd failed at multiple, multiple business endeavors. Mm-hmm. He'd opened up then, and this wasn't a new idea. It was a idea he'd already pursued, but in a new format to try to sell advertising to businesses in magazines, kind of acting as a middleman. Right. He's doing that, and he gets a letter from, now I cannot remember, maybe, I can't remember, I'll lie if I say it, somewhere overseas. Okay. He gets a letter from one of them inquiring about running an ad to do business here in the U.S. Mm -hmm. All of this very above board, and within that envelope, they have included another envelope that is a paid postage for return. Okay. That's not uncommon. We see that. I see that a lot in my business. If I'm going to send a client documents to sign and send back, I'm going to send them a prepaid envelope. Okay, sure, of course. It's just not international business. Yes, for right. Me. Mm-hmm. So this is, remembering the time frame that we're in, this would have been the 1919 range. Okay. Um, well, we're on the heels of World War One, and you have inflation, you have different things going on. We have a different currency system than we have now. And so some very different currency relationships that aren't necessarily as synced up then as they are now. What he recognized in that moment was that I can take this prepaid postage back envelope that it cost, technically, he figured this out, it cost far less to purchase that in whatever country it was I feel like Switzerland, but I, I, I could be completely off here. Um, but it was it was a far different exchange versus what it would cost to do this in the U.S. Now, that's arbitrage mm-hmm. in the investment world, where you recognize a place where you can buy something cheaper than you can sell it at a different place. In that's also called retail, by the way. But in this in this instance, in, in, in the investment world and in, in this type of instance, it's called arbitrage. And it's illegal. It is legal. It's it is absolutely legal. legal. Okay. Um, it's not findable that often because it's recognized as an easy thing. So, okay. so many people are trying it that the margins are super thin now. Gotcha. But it was a thing then. And so he he had done the maths and figured out that I, it's possible... It was possible that he could achieve as much as a 400% return to have somebody purchase those prepaid envelopes there, send them to him. Then he could go in and exchange. This is where it gets iffy. He could go to someplace in the U.S. and exchange that prepaid envelope for actual postage stamps. But to make the money, he would have to find someone to sell the stamps to. All right. At the at the U.S. going rate or even a slight discount to entice them to do business with him rather than the post office. All of this is perfectly legitimate. Okay. And his first couple go-arounds, he did pursue this. Mm-hmm. And it worked in a very short order. He was able to return magnificent return numbers to people. And so he pushes ahead. He... Forms a new company. He he names it a little bit shady. It sounds like the Securities and Exchange Commission, but mm-hmm. it's not quite that. Okay. Um, so he's he's cheating a little bit there with naming. Sure. Well, I don't think he even made it through one round of the actual exchange. He'd started out with eighteen hundred dollars. Yeah. From eighteen investors, so a hundred bucks a piece. And this is this is nineteen twenties. This mm. is January of nineteen twenty mm-hmm. that this occurs. Um, and within the next month in February, he's paying them back, but he's not actually paying them back with profits. He, he's paying them back with new investor money. Gotcha. But I don't think at that point he's thinking, oh, I'm running the bank scam that I was exposed to. He's literally just thinking, oh, I haven't received yet because it takes time for these things to arrive for me to transact. He hadn't yet received. So he's just going to make them whole with their profit. Right. While he's waiting for things, he's fully intentional of following through with this. Gotcha. But word spreads fast. Yeah. 
fast because it's a magnificent uh-huh. return in a very short amount of time. And if we love nothing else, we love our greed. Yes. And a we quick being butt. all of humanity. Yes. So, yeah, it goes, it goes for lack of more delicate terms, apeshit crazy. Oh, okay. By June of that same year, He's bringing in a million dollars in 1920. Dang. He's bringing in a million dollars a week. And by the time <gasps> he hits the end of July, it's damn near a million dollars a day. Oh, my gosh. Now, what? at that point, because let's, let's back up a minute. We're talking about postage. Yeah. How much is each envelope worth? Well, it doesn't matter what the percentage oh of return, gosh. if it, we're talking about pennies. Yes. It is estimated that at that point, it would take a boat the size of the Titanic packed full of these envelopes. Oh, my gosh. Just for a day's worth of, of transactions. And there were not that many of these things in circulation. No. Even. Of course so, not. It's a problem. Yeah. Oof. It's a problem. Um, I won't go further. You should go look up Charles Ponzi if yeah. you want to see more on this. Okay. It's impressive. If anything, honestly, he's more impressive to me than is Madoff. Madoff had the advantage that he was, and this won't make sense to most people, he was a market maker. He was deeply intertwined with the exchanges, especially the NASDAQ. And so he had some things available to him that were not in existence for Charles Ponzi. If he had been as, I guess, egregious is the only word I can think of, as was Mm -hmm. Ponzi. Well, $50 billion is nothing for what he had available to him to do. Yeah. He could have been much bigger. So maybe in fact Madoff doesn't deserve all of this named after him. Maybe we should just stick with Ponzi. Either way, read about both of them. Yeah. It's what? It's good. It's educational. Yes. It, it'll help you kind of suss through things in the future so that you're not the victim. And there we go. Yeah. That was a lot. I feel dizzy from talking so much. I feel like you should talk. I'm going to take this next one because trending note for everyone. If you are a Taylor Swift fan, I am. Yes, you are. You'll be thrilled to know that she is dropping a surprise album. Evermore is the name of the album, not the... Not how often she's releasing albums. This is her second studio album of the year. Is it really? I know yes. it's her ninth overall. Ninth I saw overall. That in, the, in the research. Ninth overall. Earlier this year, she dropped Folklore. Well, this is related, right? Yes. In fact, she says that Evermore will be a sister record to Folklore. Now, by the time you're listening to this episode of Awesome Today, it's already out. should be yes. available. Dropping tonight at midnight. Midnight on the 10th is mm-hmm. when it should be yeah. available. So here we are. I'm excited, and I know you are too. Yes, I am. Okay. It's time for Advent. We've taken so much time already. Let's not cheat Advent. If this needs to be a long episode, it can be. Okay. I want you to read, and I'm going to save my commentary. Why don't you just read straight through? Is that too tedious? No, I don't mind. Read straight through the things, and then let's talk about them. Okay. Well, our first reading is from Isaiah. This is in chapter 48, verses 17 to 19. Been getting to know Isaiah so much during Advent. He's a good man, Isaiah. Yeah. Unappreciated in these times. Underrated. Yes. In fact, possibly even almost killed as the messenger. (laughs) That's right. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I, the Lord your God, teach you what is for your good and lead you on the way you should go. If you would hearken to my commandments, your prosperity would be like a river. And your vindication like the waves of the sea. Your descendants would be like the sand and those born of your stock like its grains. Their name never cut off or blotted from my presence. The response from Psalm is selections from Psalm 1. Mm-hmm. First Psalm. Here we go. Those who follow you, Lord, will have the light of life. Blessed the man who follows not the counsel of the wicked, nor walks in the way of sinners, nor sits in the company of the insolent, but delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on his law day and night. He is like a tree planted near running water, 
that yields its fruit in due season and whose leaves never fade, whatever he does prospers. Not so the wicked, not so. They are like chaff which the wind drives away. For the Lord watches over the way of the just, but the way of the wicked vanishes. And then our gospel is from St. Matthew chapter 11. This is verses 16 through 19. Jesus said to the crowds, To what shall I compare this generation? It is like children who sit in the marketplaces and call to one, to one another, We played the flute for you, but you did not dance. We sang a dirge, but you did not mourn. For John came, neither eating nor drinking, and they said, He's possessed by a demon. The Son of Man came, eating and drinking, and they said, Look, he's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is vindicated by her works. How do you translate all that into a message? That's difficult, isn't it? Yes and no. Okay. I Well, I say, and when I say and no, I'm saying that I have something to say. But at the same time, this could be completely theologically, ecumenically inappropriate. I don't know. I doubt that very much. Um, Let's dig into what you have, because as we've been sitting here talking, my head started hurting and it's making it hard for me to think straight. I will say I've had, I inherited your migraine. Okay. I've powered through without telling you. Oh, no. So patriarchy power, I don't know. (laughs) Whatever. I'm just let's, kidding on that front. But I have, had a, I have had a, a borderline migraine all I day. I hate it. Okay. It sucks, but hey, I'm okay. Um, so Isaiah, to me, whew, it's like, yeah, I teach you, this is God speaking, I teach you what is for your good, and I lead you on the way you should go. And if you listen, basically, and, and, and stand by the commandments that have been given, Prosperity, vindication, descendants, all blessings. Yes, right. We go to Psalm. Blessed is the man who, there's a whole lot of stuff of not this guy, not that guy, not this one, not him, not her, but those who delight in the law of the Lord and that whatever they do prospers. Okay, now those two, it's pretty easy to see the connection. Mm -hmm. God is saying to us here, I'm going to make straight a path for you. I'm going to help you to know what's good when you follow in my way. Things will go well and you'll yes. be blessed. But then- Follow in my way, and I'm just going to do it for you. I'm so excited and thrilled yes. that you, my child, think about this parent-child relationship. You as my child, you did one thing. It wasn't even halfway right. It was just halfway not wrong. You just just do a little bit yeah. right. I'm just going to make it all good. Yeah. Embarrassingly, embarrassingly so. But here comes the gospel and Jesus yeah. is getting on to that present generation to which he came. It's some criticism. Yeah. He's pointing out that between he and John the Baptist, there were two very different approaches taken to the exact same message. Right. And that in either event... It was only met by criticism. Yep, exactly. Well, you're not this. You're not that. Jesus wasn't John, but John wasn't Jesus. Both of them were wrong, and it was a triple, double, triple negative. I don't know. The the people were just out for denial. If John fasted, they accused him of being a demon. If Jesus ate, they accused him of being a glutton. Right. There's no winning. Nobody's winning. Murphy found his way into law way back then. Yeah. So this is where I say... One perspective, and I I could be theologically screwy. I don't think I am, or I wouldn't offer it. Okay. Um, But I welcome any pushback. One perspective is that sometimes the truth is different than what you have come to believe. And by you, I mean anybody hearing this, including myself, including you. Yes. Sometimes the truth is different than what you've come to believe. And rather than hearing it and accepting it, we might try to discredit the messenger instead. Okay. Wow. And to tie this back to those... That's deep, my dude. I know. That's deep. To take this back and tie it into those earlier readings, this is a look at accepting God's commandments. Yeah. Now, his commandments in the old covenant versus the new, they are different. Yes. There was a whole book of law, but part of the reason that Christ had to come is because that had been taken so far 
out of context and beyond. Christ came and he reestablished. And in, in Matthew 22, which isn't part of today's reading, you do have Jesus ultimately bringing it back down to a manageable level. Because I feel like there were somewhere between six and 700 different laws that the Jews had created around, in fact, what were the original Ten Commandments. Yeah. Convoluting things beyond all recognition. Sure. No insult to them. We do that constantly ourselves. Yeah. But Christ came back and said, you shall, this is it, guys. Listen, this is it. You'll, mm. you'll love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. And so he's saying every piece of written down scripture that you have at this point, it all comes down to this. Right. It makes yeah. it easier. Yeah. Now, my attention gets drawn to the second part. It's relatively easy to look at and understand. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Mm -hmm. Whether or not you can do it easily or not, that's another whole thing. Sure. But it's pretty simple to comprehend that. Yeah. But the second part, which is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, that might seem less important because it's not God. Mm -hmm. It's your neighbor and yourself, but it's kind of two things. It's both loving others and then very heavy, all capitalized, and it's loving yourself. Yes. Now, we can struggle with one or both of those. Yeah. But especially the second, I feel like, mm. at least in my own life. Mm -hmm. Christ points out then, if you look at it through this perspective, that they criticized him for not being John. They criticized John for not being Christ. But really, both John and Jesus were being criticized because they were different. Yeah. And when we criticize because of differences, it's most likely because we're not comfortable with who we are. All we know is the group who's kind of accepted us or who it is we're trying to look like. And so we criticize others to defend that picture because without it, we don't even know how to like ourselves. Right, yeah. And that's, again, whether this is irresponsible or not, that's how I see this, is I see a people not so different than we are today. And, that man, there's some struggle in loving yourself. And that's a lot different than just tolerating yourself or living with yourself. Mm. But to fully love and embrace yourself, mm -hmm. meaning what I think not only might not be wrong, it might actually be right. And that I can lean into some inclination that I might have and say, no, that that very likely may be holy and right and good. And I should I should go in to test that with more of a spirit of trust than a spirit ah, of distrust. That's good. Yeah. That's good stuff. So that's that's what I pulled from all of that. Wow, that definitely uh, that pulls some things together. That was a good insight. Well, thank you, and I appreciate. You I hope I, I haven't wrecked us all in God's eyes on that deal, but I do think it's it's at least leaning in the right direction. Well, if later tonight when you go to upload this, it won't, just will not be uploaded. Yeah, I'll know then. It was heresy. If and you guys will ever, never even hear this part. That's right. If your computer sets itself on fire, you know we got a problem. Indeed. Okay. Time for roll. Watch. Read. Listen. Lifestyle. All right. Last night we made an attempt at watching the D.B. Cooper documentary on the HBO. Yes, we did. Nobly try and fail. You made it not very I far. I told in. you when I was laying down, <laughs> this may not go well. I fell asleep. So early for you. I was really exhausted yesterday. I can tell. I made it a little bit further in. Now, here's what I wanted to put a pen in from earlier. In the opening uh, section, they're kind of setting up what air travel was like. At the I time. don't think I made it past the credits, I honestly. I don't the think you did. Credits. I yeah. really think that you were snoozing by the time the action began. But Kyle, oh my gosh, flying used to be a whole different thing. Yes. Like they're showing how at the time, when was the DBQ? Cooper thing. Was this the 60s? 70, 70s? Maybe the 60s. I can't recall. Okay, let's just say mid-century America. 
You just walked up with your luggage. There was no metal detectors. There was no security. You just had a paper ticket. No yeah. ID needed. You yeah. could just be like, here's my ticket and I'm going to get on with my suitcase. Yes. And it's just like so bizarre to think about. By the way, don't bother to look in the suitcase. No bomb in there. <laughs> exactly. You could say the word bomb in an airport right? without getting arrested. Um, the flight attendants, as we call them now, the, the stewardesses at the time, this was a very uh, a job meant for the sexy and the young yeah. woman. Uh, who had, they had weight requirements. Who went by the name of Ms. Yes. To be more tantalizing to the misters. Yes. They they had weight requirements. If you were married and you got pregnant, you were immediate, you immediately Done. lost your job. Done skis. Done skis. You're working sure. the counter. Get out of here. Yes. Maybe not even that. Um, the, the flight attendant who was directly involved in the DP, D.B. Cooper incident, who actually sat next to him, talked to him, mm -hmm. was brought the money on the plane... She was like 20 or 21 when this oh, happened. Wow. She was not that much older than Daisy. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Yeah, I don't want to. Please stop trying to force me into it. Okay, so the context, if you have not watched this documentary, the context for this documentary is that there are four people slash families that they follow who are convinced that this loved one of theirs, who has now since died, uh, was D.B. Cooper. Okay. And untangling and like unraveling the claims made on how they could have possibly been D.B. Cooper. It's fascinating. We got to make another run at it. We, we are absolutely watch we it. Will. Absolutely. So anyway, we tried it. We're going to watch it. We just, it, last night wasn't the night for it to happen. Yeah. Hey, no shame. No, no shame, shame in that game. We unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on your perspective, have nothing to offer for reading. True. Just didn't happen. Um, but in terms of listening, we have one, Adam Sandler's Hanukkah song, which he's Jewish. I don't know that the Jewish community embraces him. They may hear the song and be deeply offended. Oh, I think I they know. love it. They don't have very many songs for the Hanukkah. Well, not that, so... not that are part of popular culture. Yes. Or formerly popular culture. I think a lot of Jewish people enjoy the Hanukkah song from Adam Sandler. It's a good you can, song. You maybe, can... maybe closely tied with the Thanksgiving song. Right, of course. In terms of popularity. Yes. Yeah, so you could go look this up on YouTube to watch, or you can... My Our Christmas all-the-time radio station has been playing the Hanukkah song. Try not to initially listen to a live performance, because I feel like he's trashed. As is oh, the audience yeah. and everybody's singing over him, it gets a little rough to participate. Yeah, okay, I can, I can agree with that. Hey, you know what? Speaking of listening, you probably just can't wait to get off of here and go listen to Taylor Swift's Evermore album. Indeed. I can, you can't. No criticism either way. Okay. Okay. Well, I don't have, and I know from pre-recording pre conversations that you don't have a specific lifestyle. Right. We are going to introduce for the next many days until Christmas proper, yes. or at least the 25th, yes. has come and gone. We're going to share a bad Christmas story. Bad Christmas. Bad Christmas. Just, not bad Santa. No. We're not going to go that rough. No. Or maybe we will. We'll see after you hear this first story. Yeah. This um, just kind of helps you to keep your expectations for your own Christmas yeah. low and reasonable. Yes. Because the best way to, to survive is to underpromise and overperform. That's right. This is not our story. One of the future stories may or may not be. I don't know yet. This is someone else's story as it goes. The present was from my stepdad's mom. She knew that I wanted to be a doctor. She does not speak English well, much like Kyle when he gets <laughs> mush-mouthed and rambly. Yes. Well, she got me a t-shirt that said, quote, I'm not a gynecologist, but I'll take a look anyway. <laughs> Which is a fantastic shirt. When my stepdad translated it for her, she cried from embarrassment. I wore the shirt. <laughs> yeah. That is priceless. It is. I like it. That's a great story. If I thought at 45 I could pull that shirt off, uh -huh. I would do that. Yes. That's a fantastic shirt, uh -huh. whether I intended to be a doctor or not. Yep. 
All right. That is a bad Christmas present. Yes. Any other topics for the day? Anything pop into your mind? I do not think so. I think we've covered it all and then some. Okay. Go put on your short shorts and have a happy time. Indeed. Tom Selleck, your way into tomorrow. Yes. In the meantime, have an awesome today, would you? Please do. Bye-bye. Bye. The term, organized crime, is used with somewhat of an air of mysticism. It's like we assume that lawmakers and law enforcement are brilliant, and, by default, criminals are ignorant. That doesn't seem to match history. Find Awesome Today and Sorta Awesome Media on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok and literally everywhere podcasts are found. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.